0: Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Rev. Albert Okran.
1: My guest for tonight is the executive director of the Ecobank Venture Capital Limited. She will be helping me understand some of the issues that we'll be talking about. Very important issues. And our topic for today is setting and maintaining world-class standards. Setting and maintaining world-class standards. And along the line, we'll be joined by a couple of big stakeholders from the Festival of Ideas. I will raise Moses Baden who will be speaking at the festival about decision making and risk management for emerging leaders and then also Kojo Heniche who has been a resource person at the festival in the, in the years past and a regular attendee, a big stakeholder in the festival to share their own perspectives and why you must definitely be on the festival on Thursday night but tonight if you are a CEO or a CEO in the making stay tuned to Joy 99.7 FM because this is deep well, so tonight we want to look at setting and maintaining world class standards, and I'm joined by Rita Chedna of EcoBank Venture Capital to help us understand. She's the executive director of EcoBank Venture Capital. Rita, welcome to Springboard. This, this must be your first time on the show.
2: Thank you. Yes, it is.
1: Right. So let's let's break down the issues, and I hope that you. Um, let me first say a big thank you to EcoBank for sponsoring this broadcast. It's it's been um, probably about five years in the trot and. We, are, we, we appreciate the bank for the investment in the future and also in the human capital of this nation.
2: We are very pleased to be associated with
1: you. Right. So let's start with the subject of world-class standards. Why should companies, professional bodies, and governmental agencies... I mean, we've, we've talked about banking, finance, insurance, aviation educational institutions why must they pay attention to this big subject of succession planning why is it so important that they stop to think about it
2: mm, businesses are going concerns and um, basically succession planning ensures that key roles have a substantive backup now um, this is true whether it's a government agency or it's a professional body or any other entity Succession planning basically prevents chaotic power struggle. And so you want to be able to ensure that when a position is there's a vacuum in a position you have already you've already you already have in place the process for identifying and developing your future leaders or employees who have the skill set or the potential to develop those skills that can help them to move up the organization or to any other position. And so for the successor, it also builds um, capacity and capability.
1: Right. So I, uh, somehow, in, this is the seventh session that we've had on this whole stream of discussions. And you use the word bench. I mean, you, you didn't use that in, in that particular sense, but you give the sense of having a strong backup system and so for every role there is not just a substantive person but also the bench the person who can step up should the vacancy become available for any reason and sometimes when you talk about vacancy people think the person must die or leave the organization but the person could could be on maternity leave could be out on sabbatical could travel for a year on a course or anything but I get the impression that this must require a lot of thinking a lot of preparation a lot of organizational application to ensure that it's done right Absolutely. Right. All right. So for a company listening out there, you're seeing that because you are going growing concern, you want to prevent a chaotic power struggle by ensuring that for every role that is available, there also are people that can step in should the need arise. We're talk- you're talking about world-class standard. Let's, let's settle on the words. For the benefit of our listeners, what are standards, and why are standards important in business?
2: Well, standards are established... Um, Norms or requirements, the uniform criteria, methods, processes, and practices. And standards are critical in business because it ensures a uniformity and process that actually allows for measurement and evaluation. And generally, when you have that, it allows for it's an enabler for so many other things for interoperability so that things can work together and actually get done. And from the user or from the consumer's perspective, it also gives a lot of confidence because the consumer, is a, consumer knows that at least some expectation that is imbibed in the standard is, is something that will, will, will come home with um, that consumer. And so because of that, there's very little consumer dissonance right? because standards prevent um, errors.
1: Right. So I, I, I liken this to an, um, a very interesting development. The first time I saw it, it was, it was from the part of the world where I was coming from. It was quite a shock to me. So sitting in this bus with the driver and the, the bus gets to a particular point, the driver just stops the bus, gets down and walks away. And within less than 15 seconds, a different driver climbs onto the bus at that point and just continues the journey. And I was like, wow, it was, it was, it was great for me. <laughs> Cause from the part of the world where I was coming from, it was not a very common thing. But it was simply because there was a system in place that had been built over time. The person knew exactly when the shift starts, where exactly to join. And it was there was no need for handing over notes. It was just a system and the person just slotted in. So you're seeing that when that happens, there is confidence in, by the, the customer because you know the system does work and when you say you will get there at this time you will get there.
2: It's reliable.
1: Rita, who, who, who determines what is world class? Who determines a world class standard? Hmm. Because you can find people saying that I mean, their mission statement says we are world class. <laughs> I mean, the, the thing is based on the wall, but you experience the thing and you say, this, who made this thing world class? Mm-hmm. Who determines what exactly is world class?
2: Well, um, historically, world-class standards have been determined by a number of organizations. I mean, we have the International Organization for Standardization, ISO, and it's the leading international standards organization promoting worldwide proprietary industrial and commercial standards. Right. We also have the um, international Electrotechnical Commission, or the IEC. This is non-for-profit, non-governmental international standard. And it deals more with the electricals and the electronics. And so here we are looking at related um, technologies and a vast range of technology from power generation, fiber optics, solar, office equipment. And basically what the IEC does is um, it certifies whether an equipment, system, or component conforms to international
1: standards. Right. So let's say that a, a typical regulatory or a typical body in charge of standards walks into a, a firm, maybe invites to evaluate the firm. What What are some of the things that they are likely to be looking out for? What, do you have an idea about what What are some of the 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 benchmarks? Some of mm. the issues they will be interested in.
2: Um. Well, um, normally it depends on, I'd say, the particular firm, because there are various standards. We have IATA, for instance, that looks after um, aviation. We have, um, for financial reporting, we would be looking at um, IFRS. um, For credit, um, for evaluation of credit from an investor standpoint, we would be looking at. rating companies like Moody's, um, like Standard & Poor & Fish. But then um, I would say that generally some of the parameters that are used to measure international or world class standards are those parameters that ensure that we are really looking for what is best in class. And therefore, um, we would look at companies that have that are competitive, both domestically and globally. Um, we would look at companies that are engaged in continuous improvement, um, companies that take process re-engineering very seriously, um, companies that take training as a critical investment. And then um, normally such firms, when um, they adopt a critical process, There are no exceptions. And um, this is because everybody in the industry understands or in the company understands what the key performance indicators are and what the key metrics are. The the data which they use, there's normally a lot of data integrity. And then this data, which is reliable, is normally used to monitor and review their um, what they do and generally workups days do not lack so that if if you intend to to do something it it, it is monitored and it gets done
1: Mm. right. So let me let me let me let me just take the five or six that you've given us and, and, and work our way backwards. If you just joined us, it's nineteen minutes past the hour of seven. What are we doing? As we build up to the Festival of Ideas on Thursday, we are trying to find out what does it mean to be world class? And so as as an author, as a church, as a political party, as a business as a an entity seeking to play ball at the very highest stage. We are looking at what it means to be world-class. What does it take to be world-class? And Rita has given us some very important parameters. At least you must be competitive domestically and globally. You must have a focus on continuous improvement training must be a critical investment in your entity when the systems are put in place there must be no excuse and no exception and then also data integrity among others that she has mentioned these are some of the parameters that we must we must see in in your entity for us to take you serious that you are world class let me let me let me link this whole discussion about world class to the bigger subject of Organizational longevity. So we are talking about success, um, succession planning. How can companies last 400 years? And interestingly, Rita will be uh, drawing a documentary on Thursday that profiles Ghanaian companies in manufacturing, in media, in in finance, in different industries, and looking at what they have done to ensure that they don't become those same companies that we celebrate when we were young, but which fizzled out for absolutely no reason that we can fathom at this point. And so, how? what is the link? How can the pursuit of these world-class standards help companies to last for a long time?
2: Well, world-class standards are best in class. They are standards of excellence and best practice. And these are standards that you need to adopt if you want to remain in business and if you want to grow because this is what will ensure that you are sustainable. So if you just um, go back to some of the parameters that we talked about and you imbibe these things so that you can conform to that international standard, it, uh, it allows you to be, to be more sustainable right. as a company.
1: Right, right. Are local companies, uh, when you look at Ghanaian companies, local examples, do you see anything that in your own personal opinion you can say this is world class? Are we, are we able to do things at the world class level?
2: Well, um, yes. Um, most of these companies, they just need to grasp what it is that world class is. Right. And once they do that, it, it's all about benchmarking. Um, Benchmarking is great when it comes to assessment and objectivity. And so once they do that, they are able to conform to world-class standards and just um, go with the flow. I I remember a particular um, seminar which I attended with um, Patrick Igua, And I found it very intriguing when he talked about governance to a banana seller. So it brings home the fact that it's, it, whether you are a local company or you are an international company, if you do things the way you should, you, you will be um, world class.
1: I'll be interested in governance banana cell. I think I've heard that illustration. <laughs> but the, 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 the big thing, I think he made it on the same show, the big thing that um, comes out of that kind of discussion is the fact that for everything that you you find, it can be done as best as can be and and that is the principle that ensures, ensures growth. I mean, looking back at your own journey, have you ever seen something that is done mm-hmm. in our part of the world that you have said, ah, oh, this, is, this is it. I mean, yeah. give me an example. Something <laughs> okay. that you saw that you said, it, I mean, whether in the same industry you are in or anything that you saw that give right. you some hope and you said if this can be done here, this can be called world class. Is there an experience, an example, anything you observed that you tagged as world class here uh, in Ghana? Okay,
2: I'll actually give you two right um i'll give you of course the ecobank mobile app you know this They're is biased. commensurate <laughs> <laughs> from a user perspective <laughs> from a user perspective and um, the ecobank mobile app is commensurate to any app in the world in terms of ease of use and customer satisfaction it's instant it's a convenient way of banking and it's available in 33 african countries
1: was it, was it designed locally
2: it, it was it, it's it's the Echo, it's EchoBank's baby, and right. EchoBank is an is, is, a, is an African bank. So this app is best in class, and it allows our customers to shop, transact, and do business without cash. I think that even on a scale, it's transformational for Africa, and it provides a secure and convenient and reliable journey for our customers. Right. The second example I will give is the Kakum National Park. Um, It's located in the central region. This park was um, actually gazetted as a national park somewhere in the 1990s, somewhere 1992, thereabouts. And it's one of the few locations in Africa with a canopy walkway. I know there's one in, I think, Nigeria, Rwanda, and Ese as well. But the thing about this park, about this park, is that it has a bird um, life, an international bird life um, inventory confirmation, right. and so it's it has um, eight species that are globally of conservation concern. Right. And another interesting thing is, it is actually on the tentative list of world heritage sites
1: right
2: and in addition it's had an excellent um safety um record
1: right i'm sure my friends at the Kakum park will be smiling Very and saying, much, oh uh, thank <laughs> you so much madam <laughs> you know, i i love Kakum for different reasons <laughs> the last time i was, I was going to Kakum with my family i told my daughter listen i'll take care of you,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you you'll be fine <laughs> And she said, well, daddy I'm fine, you just relax. I mean, and then we got there, and I said, Nana, no, no, pray for me. Nana, no, no, pray for me. How on the walk? Now she was the one encouraging me that you can do it. Daddy, I said, whole oh, life. <laughs> <laughs> you know the story of that woman who was at the walk and praying that.
2: yes uh, yeah yeah the
1: very funny one okay when we come back from this, this uh, I'll transition and talk with one of our uh, resource persons when I come back I'll be asking you a bit more about this mm-hmm. thing. but next month we'll start a series on leveraging technology and smart solutions mm-hmm. and that one your app will fit in very well but <laughs> we'll be talking about how technology can make life very easy for all of us and talking about technology I have a technology guru on the line somebody I've known for more than 45 years and a man who just pursues excellence? He's a fighter, and a man who has done so many great things. I'm so proud of. I, I literally would be able to call him a brother because we've seen so much together. Um, do I have him on the line? Okay, maybe raise the line again for me. While we get um, we get my guest on the line, let me remind you that at the Festival of Ideas there will be two sessions. The morning session will be for emerging leaders or emerging CEOs. From eight am till one pm, and there will it will start, of course, with breakfast, and there will be um, a breakout session after the four plenaries. And the f- target mainly is people who project that they will be CEOs or ex-co in the next ten years of their careers. If you haven't as yet registered for the Festival of Ideas, that hotline remains 24 quadruple nine triple five. But moderating one of those sessions in the Festival of Ideas, in fact, the session. On let me check which one. Leadership decision making and risk management is my friend and brother, Moses K. Baden. Moses, good evening.
3: Good evening, Albert. How are you?
1: Very well. Thank you for joining us on the virtual university and thank you for agreeing to be part of the resource persons at the Festival of Ideas. My pleasure. All right, so Moses, let me find your own. We're discussing tonight world-class standards. It's something I know you are very passionate about. And let me find your own perspective. Are world-class standards possible here in Ghana?
3: You know, I'm a great optimist. Everything is possible. And in Ghana, uh, benchmarking the best practices globally can build um, world-class companies.
1: So, what, um, Moses? What, what would you call world class from your perspective as a CEO, as a corporate leader? What would you, de- what would you f- define as world class in your, opi- your own opinion?
3: Well, it's a broad subject, but um, world class basically runs through everything. It starts from the vision of a company. You know, the vision of the company is world class and is globally focused, But you start to benchmark that vision against other companies and organizations who have similar visions in the world. So there's no benchmarking against uh, a local standard. You'll be looking at the best practices internationally for whichever industry. So, for instance, uh, since Bank is talking about the app. Let me talk about world class. When we talk about Microsoft, for instance. I mean, we have the... um, One of our subsidiaries, ICPS, which is benchmarking globally the industry and products and the identity security and solutions market. So it's not just enough to say you're, you're you're world class, but we can say that we are ISO certified, we are ELV that's European Mastercard Visa ready to certify certified, and that we are also benchmarking against Integraf which is the world-class standard for um, security printed documents. So, basically, world-class means uh, being able to compare yourselves and your best practices and your different resources, systems, and subsystems to international um, organizations, and being able to have a metrics to measure your output performance and the specification of your products. And quality to all the standards of all the same organizations and companies, which are leading um, this industry areas globally.
1: Let, let me let me let me zoom in on the subjects you'll be speaking at. Um, you'll be facilitating in at the, at the festival of ideas. Let me start with decision making. Why is this so important for people who aspire to be CEOs? Why should the ability to make quality decisions uh, be such an important issue?
3: Well, because all decisions have. Um, consequence. So, uh, making a decision means that you will choose between options. In order to be able to choose between options, you have to have the knowledge and experience and the human resource capacity, for instance, to be able to know what the alternatives are in an option analysis and what will be the cost-benefit analysis of one decision as against another. So, in making a decision, if you consider all the range of options that are possible you can use um, a measurable metrics to weigh the decision in order to look at what sort of risks are associated with one or the other and you'll be able to figure out whether when you look at the risk associated with the options available what sort of uh, mitigation measures you will take against each decision. And if you're not able to mitigate against an option that may seem attractive, The whose risk might materialize, then it means that the option cannot be the best option because you're not able to mitigate the risk that's associated with that decision. So yeah. primarily, if you talk about world-class, evident decision-making, you can measure the different options if you do it properly in an option analysis and you can look at the risk associated with each option, as well as the cost-benefit analysis. And if you're looking at the long-term, the measurements of these will be also evaluated on the basis of what is the short-term, medium-term, and the long-term effect of the decision. So in the end, really, you can narrow uh, with specific tools the decision-making into one or two options. And then you will make the decision, knowing that you looked at all the alternatives, and knowing that you measured all the risks. And the decision that you are making as an empirical objective and uh, well reasoned one.
1: Empirical, you know, objective, and well reasoned. And Moses, before you go, let me let me let me let me put this to you. As a CEO, you often will be appointing somebody to handle one of your divisions, one of your companies in the group, one of your key responsibilities. Speaking on behalf of all CEOs, I want to zero in on your own personal preference. How much risk is enough, for instance, if you had to appoint an executive to a position in one of your companies and you were torn between only two candidates, a very conservative person and then another with a high-risk profile, all other attributes being equal, which one would you appoint and why? It depends on the type
3: of company. Um, It depends on the type of company, so you have to contextualize it. For instance, if you are trying to go, go a global um, sales or marketing department, you'll have to have a certain minimum uh, qualification for competency, a certain character type, a person who has certain values. But at the same time, you have to appoint a, a person who's outgoing, who's a basic, uh, bit of a risk taker, in order to be able to push um, a team to the limit. You know, so in the sales position, you don't need somebody who's completely risk-averse. But maybe in a credit uh, decision, you need somebody who's a bit conservative. So basically, in the different departments, you have different types of leaders. And together, the a team, their core competencies and their character types and their risk profile will balance out in the team, so you have the best outcomes. So. In a company like ours, for instance, where we are, innovation is one of our main values. If we have to choose somebody to lead, we have to choose somebody who's not conservative, somebody who can think outside the box, somebody who can think about things that people were dare to think about, somebody who's willing to walk on water, but at the same time, somebody who has enough experience to be able to um, mitigate their love of adventure and uh, doing the impossible with the tools of reality. So it is, it's not a, an easy decision. It really has to be to contextualize. It depends on the company type. It depends on uh, the philosophy of the company and what you're trying to achieve in the particular time. So there's no one-size-fits-all. In one situation, you would choose somebody who has a big risk appetite. And in times when Maybe the company is overgrowing, and you need to trim the company or conserve your balance sheet and restructure. You need somebody who's a little more conservative. So time is everything. Type of company is important, and the objective to achieve for the um, particular moment or time also goes into that decision. So I can't give you a straight answer, unfortunately. It all has to be contextualized.
1: You actually have given me an answer. <laughs> and, and the good news when you talk about working on water, I smile because it's, it's a Sunday for a pastor. Working on water is a very nice prospect. <laughs> Let me end with this one, Moses. Uh, why should people be uh, at the festival on Thursday and what should they expect if they come to your breakout session?
3: Oh, I think that knowledge is everything. And to be world-class, what we really need is, is knowledge. Uh, in my recent uh, keynote address in this year's Forum, there's one key message that I try to communicate, which means that we need enlightenment in leadership. And enlightenment, I define it as knowing the consequences of your action, because you have enough knowledge to know the not just the short term, but also the medium and long effects of decision-making as leaders. And if we're going to build world-class companies, our decisions must be based on the long term, on building global companies that will spend, you know, will extend beyond our lifetime, and will stand the test of time. So we'll move companies from just being a profit center for somebody's pocket, but into great global ambition companies, which will live long beyond the life of the founders.
1: Thank you very much, Moses. And Moses Baden is the CEO of the Margins Group, and he will be facilitating at the Festival of Ideas on the subject of leadership decision-making and risk management. He's one of 12, 12 CEOs and top leaders who will be helping us understand the attributes that one needs to become a top executive. And Rita, the response... I mean, we are very happy with the response that we've gotten. We began this journey last year. I mean, the festival is in its 11th year, but in the 10th year of the festival, we actually dedicated a morning session to grooming the next CEOs. And it was born out of different experiences, including somebody who was suddenly, he had been praying to God to be made CEO, and then suddenly was invited for the interview for the position of CEO and panicked and ran to us saying, what should I do? And I said, but what were you praying about? (laughs) He had been praying to become CEO, but suddenly when the door opened, he had no clue. He had no clue about decision-making. He had no clue about systems and structures. And so we said, listen, let's go and research into the top 10, 12 things that appointing companies all over the world look for in a CEO and then create different breakouts to focus on one each of these top 10, 12 issues and find one CEO who has experience in that area to outside even the main plenaries sit in the gardens with these people have a discussion heart to heart about what to do at the next level and the next level and continue this discussion probably through whatsapp and other means to ensure that people are being mentored to to achieve their own reality what what do you think of the whole concept of the the breakouts did you have the did you have the benefit of that kind of coaching when you were stepping up <laughs> <laughs> at the beginning of your career?
2: Well, yes, I I had an excellent mentor um, who really um, assisted me to was, get Was to it work. helpful? Uh, extremely. Um, I went into Echo Bank and worked under um, Albertasi,an who right. is, is known so well.
1: Right. Last year he was our keynote speaker, one of key, our keynote speakers in the in the festival, and he, he did a brilliant job on on the subjects. Right.
2: And, and he's taught most of us what we know.
1: So mentorship right. is key. Right. Let me get Kojo Ohenichi on the line to also talk about his experience from the Festival of Ideas. He spoke a couple of years ago on the festival platform and definitely will be there um, as one of our key stakeholders this, this Thursday. But let me remind you about the evening session. I was talking about the morning quite a bit. And some, some people are asking, what's happening in the evening? Let mm-hmm. me tell you something. The evening is going to be big because that is when the 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 CEOs the decision makers gather and for anyone running a firm running a business wanting to be where the major decision makers are a significant chunk of the nation's CEO um, uh, GDP will be gathered <laughs> at, the, at the festival of ideas the evening session and you want to be there when the decision makers gather and one of them is definitely the, the CEO of the IFS group Kojo Ohenichi he's a regular here on springboard your virtual university and also at the festival kojo good evening welcome to springboard
4: good evening thank you very much
1: right so we've been discussing tonight world-class standards in our build-up to the festival of ideas our theme for the festival of ideas this year is succession planning and we are focusing on people like you first generation leaders who have built companies Put your blood, sweat, your life savings into a company, and who also are growing older and need to see competent people take over and and ensure that the companies are existing way beyond you. How critical to you you, is this discussion on succession planning?
4: Very important. Um, I've I've told my friends that I'll be retiring at age 75, so I think I guess I have a bit of time. But (laughs) nevertheless, I i think it's it's important because you need to have a pipeline of people who carry out your vision the thing is um even if you remain uh for for a long period you also thinking of expanding and sustaining the business and and you need uh, a pool of talents who can fit in
1: I guess the succession planning means that your Kumasi office, your Tadi office, wherever you are operating, must have the same standards as the place where you are based, right, in your office at Ophelia house. And so you want to ensure that throughout the system, certain standards are maintained. Could you, how yeah. difficult is it to be world-class in Ghana? I think it's, you
4: know, it's, it's not really different um, with other places in the world the, um, maintaining standards really is one of the key building blocks for sustainable growth, uh, and it sets the basis for consistency in quality. Um, and it really, it sets the rules of engagement as well. And you can't achieve any growth without sufficient planning. When people talk about Ghana, I think it has a lot to do with culture, and so. When you, you the, the standards can be can even be copied from other places. But you need culture. You need to change. You have to pay attention to the culture and, and transform it. You need to nurture the implementation of your standards. And we have to ensure enforcement as well. And so you have to get a team that has a transformational agenda that you, you change the culture at the place and get them to understand that they are as good as anybody else uh, in the in the world. And, and for me, as as an entrepreneur, it's, it's important because if we don't if we don't get world class standards, we shortchange our clients, and we hurt our communities. We damage trust and reliability. Our customers expect a certain level of consistency. So if you don't do that, we damage trust and and, and reliability.
1: And, and quite clearly, we sabotage our own progress. change our, our clients, damage our community, and then sabotage. These are very strong <laughs> words Could you are using. Kojo, let me finally ask you why people should be at the Festival of Ideas on Thursday. You've spoken at the festival a, a, a few times, and you also are a regular stakeholder at the festival. You make it a point to be with us every year. Why should people be there this, this year?
4: First of all, for me personally, um, i have never bored there because it's, you know, iron sharpens iron. You come and meet other people. I'm quite happy um, uh, Mr. Baden and, and people like him are, are speaking. And and for the uh, younger people as well, it is the, the, the place where they pick up ideas, not just from their own companies or their own, of their own little corners. But it's a forum to meet so many people and exchange ideas. And and really, it doesn't matter how long you've been in an executive position. There's always something new to learn from someone. And I want to encourage everyone who's been there in the past to be there again. And if you haven't been at festival of ideas, I don't know what you've been waiting for. This is the time For for you to show up, I want to encourage, especially people who have who think they have strong potential for growth, um, to come and it to benefit them.
1: I'll tell you what. Out of the reasons you've given, the one that strikes a chord with me the most is for the next generation of leaders to come and exchange ideas. Sometimes you think you are champion in your local community. When you hear what others are doing, you realize that Charlie there is so much more that you can do. Yeah. And even for company CEOs of companies, letting yeah. your key leaders participate will help them see the standards of excellence that others are using and then they come back fired up to make a better contribution. Kojo, thank you so much for joining us and we look forward to seeing you on Thursday.
4: Thank you very much. Right.
1: Kojo Hennichi is the CEO of IFS Financial Services Group and he will definitely be there among other CEOs at the Festival of Ideas. Let me take a brief musical break. When I come back, Rita will take us zooming through till the end. Tell us about the EcoBank experience of world-class standards and then why she herself and others will be at the Festival of Ideas. But listen, if you've been listening tonight, we've been talking about what is world-class, why standards are important. And she gave us a very, very... Critical breakdown of the the attributes, the parameters of a world class company. Listen, it's not just you putting it on a mission statement and placing it on the wall. It's about being competitive globally and domestically having a continuous improvement agenda having integrity of your data training being a critical investment in your firm and then the standards being non-discriminatory they are there everybody must comply without exception among other things that she shared this message is also available on facebook and if you have been watching us on facebook this will be available on our, our facebook pages or our facebook walls i'll bet any okran and comfort ukran eh, just go and watch this over and over again and imbibe some of the key lessons. We've also been joined by Moses K. Baden, who will be speaking out at the festival about leadership, decision-making, and risk management, helping us to understand some of the key issues that come into decision-making. And then Kojo Heniche is just urging all of us out there to come and exchange ideas because iron sharpens iron. Let me bring you bring Brainpong and the song Crazy Love. When I come back, Rita. Check out who's my guest tonight will help us bring this discussion home as we build up to Thursday's festival of ideas. Please don't go away.
0: Well, i got something to tell you. you of the earth to the, of the sea, You Bang, bang, bang.
1: Hear a song interrupted in the middle of the springboard, um, springboard virtual university? You know, there's only one person responsible, and that is Matthew Preparabuatin. And, 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 and I want the whole world to know you are responsible for cutting songs at the place where it's nicest. It's 10 minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock, and this is Springboard, your virtual university. My guest for tonight, Rita Chegan, as we discuss setting and maintaining world class I'm going to ask you very shortly. Which one is more difficult, the setting or the maintenance? They say it is easy to become a champion, but the maintaining of the championship, that's where the problem is. And please, good evening to all Manchester United supporters, including Kojo Henichi and your family. In my family, everybody knows that everybody's Man you, including, including the dog. <laughs> There's only one Basa fan. All the rest are Man you. Even the Basa fan is an associate Man you supporter. But that's all right. Um, Rita, do, do, do you like football?
2: No. All right. You are safe, you are safe <laughs> in the
1: studio. All right. So let's talk about the Ecobank experience for a minute. And and the reason I come to Ecobank is because you mentioned that you are a Pan-African bank. And I'm just imagining that as you talk about world-class standards, in, 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 an, in a firm like yours that has branches in different countries and then also operates in different countries and then different branches in the same country, how do you ensure that the standards are the same and they are replicated without fail. I mean, the kind of standards you describe, Mm -hmm. how do you maintain them across so many branches and so many operations in different countries?
2: Um, I'll sum it up by saying that we drive standardization across the network and we ensure compliance. Um, Basically, this allows us to optimize our operations Um, staff, customers, and vendors across these multiple markets. We are, as you said, an international bank and a pan-African bank. We also have a strong understanding of the local dynamics within the markets that we operate. But standardization has allowed us to scale. Um, It has allowed us to drive down costs to increase our speed to market. And to maintain a consistent customer experience, which is very important, from especially from the consumer's perspective.
1: All right. So let me talk about variances now. But before I come to variances, setting versus maintaining, which one is more difficult?
2: Maintaining.
1: Maintaining. <laughs> so you, you agree with those who say winning a title is, <laughs> is, 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 is tough, but defending it is even more difficult. Right. Why, why, is, it, why is it so
2: well, um, you, you, you set the standards, and then you want to ensure that it doesn't fall through the cracks and that it actually, um, those standards that have been set are effective and um, they are working. You know, and um, within Bank, we have a very robust infrastructure um, to ensure that these standards are maintained. This is mainly done through consistent training and coaching. But um, aside that, we also have um, processes that ensure that there's continued quality assurance. And so we have um, client engagement. So we get uh, most of the things are done through client feedback because at the end of the day, these are the people that you are serving. And you need to make sure that you are on track.
1: You mentioned training and coaching. Earlier in your submission, you mentioned that a world-class company must see training as a critical investment. Again, you mentioned right now training and coaching. Earlier on, you mentioned that you benefited from the, the mentoring and coaching of Albert Isian. I can tell you this, that from several leading authorities um, across the world, they talk about companies that invest in training guaranteeing their own continuity, it's, so, it's been proven. I mean, Brian Tracy gave a, a matrix in which he said for every $1 you spend in training, mm-hmm. you ultimately yield $30 in return, 30 times the investment. If it is so important, why do companies cut their training budget so consistently and why do they dodge training if it's such a critical, critical issue?
2: I, I believe that for world-class um, companies, training is critical. When companies see training as cost, then um, there's a problem.
1: So you should see it as...
2: You should see it as an investment. Right.
1: So, for all of you listening, if you are looking at the cost of coming to the festival and seeing it as as cost, make a, a mental shift and see the festival as investment. Once you see it as such, you'll be there in your numbers. Rita, give us your concluding thoughts, especially to a company that's Is listening tonight, and I mean, I mean, CEO of a company listening tonight, or a leader of a company, and seeing this discussion about standards. I think our standards have been falling for some time now. What should they do?
2: Um, It's very important that they go back to basics, right? And um, they must find out what the gaps are so that they can fix it. You need to create awareness,
1: right? So go back to basics. Go, go back to your basics, find out what the standards are, what the variances are, and fix them. And if they can't do it themselves.
2: You should get in somebody to help.
1: Get help. <laughs> right. I know where you can get help. Come to the Festival <laughs> of Ideas on Thursday. Wait a, let me officially invite you as our special guest to the Festival of Ideas on Thursday. And I'm sure that based on what um, your, your good friend <laughs> <Festival>. <laughs> and then of course what others have said you, you, you will be looking forward to the festival why should, why should people be there in your own opinion why should people be there on first Thursday
2: first of all I'd like to thank you for the invite I'm, I'm delighted and I believe that I, I'll go in there and learn and that's what it's all about learning and being able to make decisions that are informed right and which session uh, are you coming for I'm coming for the evening session. Right. That That's what's in the card is world right. class. I right. just received it. Thank you very much. And I'd also like to thank the listeners who have been part of this conversation. But for the aspiring CEO who, um, um, I'd say that you should take this discussion seriously. And this is because pursuing world class um, standards ensures groups. Right. And actually drives um, consistent workflow processes. Every CEO wants to be best in class. And pursuing world-class standards will ensure that your business is sustainable. It will also drive internationalization, which will make you globally competitive. So,
1: Internationalization I and global competitiveness. Yes. If, if your listeners should remember one word from this whole discussion, this is a difficult one, but forgive mm. me. If our listeners should remember one word, from this whole discussion that we have had this mm. evening, which one word will it be? I'll ask, I'll, I'll ask you when I come back from reading this comment. What one word should they remember from Rita, Chega, this whole hour that you have been with us? Mm. When I come back, I'll ask you. Okay. Let me conclude the thoughts of a regular attendee of the mm. Festival of Ideas from, from Sunyan. His name is Robert Mensah the general manager of bet Hotel coming all the way from Sunyani says I am based in Sunyani and have attended the last two editions of the Festival of Ideas the impact on my career and personal development has been phenomenal it's worth traveling to from any part of the country or the world I will definitely be there Rita one word for our listeners
2: I'd say that um, take um, world class um, stand- uh, inter- take world class standards very seriously
1: so the word is seriously? yeah the word is
2: seriously <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you so much, Rita, for joining us here on the Virtual University. It's been a pleasure having you for the past hour, and let's do this again. And my regards to the whole team at Echo Bank, including Reverend Mrs. Patricia Sappo, and, of course, Ethel Adama, who gives me all the palpitations in the course of the week. Thank you, Ethel. Thank you, Rhea. Thank you, Patricia, and thank you to also to Rabna listening all the way. Outside this jurisdiction. Thank you, Rita. Thank you, Comfort. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Priscilla. God bless you. God bless you, and God bless you. My name is Albert
0: Okran. Good night. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert N E Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email. Albert.Okran at iCloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on 233 You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, Amazon.com or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, Always remember you are blessed indeed no searching. Searching. The light has, the light has come. come.
3: He's